this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Well, hello and welcome to the Jay Allen Show. Man, I can't believe it, but the end of the year is here. We are in the final day. Today's December the 29th, so the countdown has started for it to be over with and looking into 2021. I'm so excited to bring you this episode here today as we are coming towards the end of the year. I hope everything is good and grand in your neck of the woods. But this interview right here, I wanted to make sure that I could bring it to you before the end of the year for you to take a listen to this conversation that was had between Brent Charleston and myself. I'm sure you've heard the name Brent Charleston before because he's been making the circuits. He's been on some different safety podcasts. He's been on some different live streams, but today we get to sit down and have the opportunity of doing the one-on-one with Brent Charleston and speaking about what's going on inside of his career and what he has seen. So let me give you a little bit of background on Brent real quick. Brent has been involved in the world of safety for about 25 years of his 35-year career. He has been able to actually do several different things throughout his career, and we're going to talk about some of those here today. I'm looking forward for you to hear this conversation between Brent and myself on The Jay Allen Show. So I appreciate you doing this because I know that this is not normally one of the easiest things to do because it's like, okay, we're on the holiday week and you're trying to get me to come on to a show. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, working from home, which is, for me, is not terribly productive anyway, so this is great. <laughs> Are you sure you want to admit to this starting off right away? <laughs> uh, yeah, I told my boss the same thing. I hate working from home, so uh, and, and that's why. Well, I mean, and I can understand that because it's easy to get distracted, but I look at it as kind of like a combo thing. It's one of these things where you can do either a lot of work or you can get distracted easily and then start doing a lot of work at night, just depending on how you kind of do it. Yeah, there there are times where you need the quiet and to be away from the office. And, and there are times that that kind of hubbub around is, is a good thing. So. Yeah, if you got you know, if I've got a lot of reading to do or something like that, which is what I'm gonna be doing this afternoon, that's that's more productive than in the office. <laughs> yeah, but then of course the the problems you run into is when you're doing it inside of the office, they see you doing that, they think you're just kinda of hanging out doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. I gotta make I gotta make sure when I'm reading that I face away from the computer so they don't think I'm just surfing the internet. totally understandably so so brent i have to tell you i wanted to get you onto the show i had seen you kind of making some of the circuits around and i always love having people onto the show especially because i want the audience to get to know them also i always love asking the uh, probably the simplest and the dumbest question all at the same time why did you decide to get inside of the world of safety uh i was one of those that kind of uh fell into it it uh way back in um late 80s when I was uh, working for Orville Redenbacher. I was a facility supervisor. Hold on. How, how can you end up working there? I'd probably eat popcorn all the time. I, I, have, to, I have to interrupt immediately, yeah. of course. Well, um, my degree's in agriculture. Oh, okay. So uh, that's how I got to working in the popcorn business. So, uh, yeah, um, to got a degree in agriculture from Purdue and, and went to work for Orville uh, drying and, and shelling popcorn for about 10 years. And safety coordinator was one of the hats I was handed. And uh, then when Orville changed his business away from uh, picking corn on the ear, which was his 
big selling point, generally handled to a, a combine uh, picker sheller process. They downsized one supervisor. That was me. Uh, kind of like the safety stuff. And so bluffed my way, and I can admit now, bluffed my way into my first full-time EHS job, uh, first square D company. I had to do some digging around to find out what uh, Clean Air Act and Clean Water Act meant and a little bit about has waste rules to bluff my way into that. But uh, got the job and been full-time ever since, since uh, that was 1994. Uh, yeah, five. Nine, yep. 95. Square yep. D's not going to come back after you now, now that they're going to find this out, are they? No, I, I think they're way too late for that. <laughs> <laughs> so you say that you faked your way into it. Kind of explain, if you don't mind, what do you mean exactly? So you knew the agriculture side. So how all of a sudden do you get excited about safety to go into it? Well, I like the, for some reason uh, that I don't quite understand myself, probably. I, I liked, um, uh, perusing the regs and, and putting together procedures. And I liked training. I liked uh, uh, standing up in front of people and, and teaching. So that part of it was attractive to me. And the part I didn't have a really good understanding of at that point was was the environmental side of things. And that's where I, I did the, the bluffing, but uh, knew enough. And I remember that was days before internet. So to find a little bit about those was not as easy as hitting the Google. <laughs> yeah, you just you just went to a store. You you had to buy either those things called a book. You know, they still sell those in some markets, of yeah, course. Well, uh, and, and encyclopedias. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Is that the Britannica <laughs> thing? No, I'm joking. I remember when, when encyclopedias actually started going on to CD, which was multiple CDs. That kind of yeah. gives me some age there. Um, how that was such a big deal, especially if it had multimedia content. Right. Right. Yeah, if you get a video on there or a photograph, that was something else, huh? Right. And of course, it was like a, a miniature square compared to most screens now on exactly how much room content you would actually oh, get. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so as you start looking at this, so you start going down the path, you start doing safety. You're there. at You did mention it by name, so I feel comfortable saying it now. But you were there at Safety D for quite some time. So, Or Square D, better say. You were there for some time. As you, yeah. kind of, as you went through the whole, as you went through the process, how did you develop your skills? Um, couple things. One, I had a, a an excellent mentor uh, that was the operations manager for safety and environmental with uh, that company, uh, and I'll, I'll mention his name, Stan McAllister. Uh, he's retired now, but uh, Stan mentored me and and taught me, you know, not only how to to put policy and procedure together and and even training people, but uh, was a great mentor in. Uh, navigating the the politics of a large company and getting getting that under my uh, getting that under my belt. But uh, other than that, it was just doing it. You know, I took some classes, um, ASSP and, and some other things that were around uh, to gain that, and uh, spent some time with um, other more experienced uh, safety and environmental managers there at Square D and. Uh, just a kind of an, an osmosis and self-study type of thing. So as you went through the process, and I've, I'm sure, you know, we can go years now into the future. As things have changed in the world of safety, how easily accessible? I mean, nowadays, as you mentioned, you have the Internet. You can go to the ASSP site, relatively easy to sign up for a class. What was the difficulties back in the time? Like when you're trying to, to get into some of these course, these course studies, how are you able to get, gather the information at the time? 
back at that time, it was a, a matter of uh, luck that a flyer came in the mail, really. Okay. Um, you know, and say, oh, that'd be a, that'd be a good one to take kind of thing. And uh, you would get aligned with some training providers that had multiple different classes, you know, um, hazardous materials, transportation, uh, DOT regulations and that kind of thing that uh, you sign up for and, and go get that information. So as you start going down the path, of course, you're able to get some of these trainings, you're able to do some different things, you're learning, you have a great mentor that's helping you out. So does safety start going into the place that you wanted to see go into, or is it still kind of up in the air as you're seeing the different opportunities that are out there? A little bit of both, Jay. Um, I actually ended up, uh, when they moved a lot of the plant here in Indiana, a lot of that work to Mexico, I ended up transferring to the Lexington, Kentucky plant, which was a much larger uh, plant uh, union environment and worked under a, a guy there who eventually left due to illness and, and I became the manager there. But um, seeing is, is where it was going as opposed to some other stuff. Yeah, there was kind of a, there were times where I kind of questioned whether that was a thing to do because it's, as we all know, it, it can be frustrating. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it, I actually, at one point there toward the end of my uh, square D career had actually branched out and had facilities maintenance under me or facilities management and also, uh, coding. So plating and painting under me at the same time. So those were kind of a nice fit because they were related to the environmental part of the job. Uh, but yeah, branched out and, uh, but, it was, you know, no doubt at that point, manufacturing was a place to be as, as uh, opposed to agriculture. So that part of it was a given. And, and as I developed safety career and, and contacts and, and got really comfortable with what I was doing, that just has always seemed to be the place to be. I have a funny story. I had a an old manufacturing manager, Square D, who was sat down in the cafeteria drinking a cup of coffee one morning. And he looks at me and very, very seriously says, looks at me and says, uh, why are you in safety? And I said, uh, well, uh, I like helping people. I like working with the regulations. I like training. And he goes, huh, you always seem much smarter than that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so was he trying to gather you to go into the dark side then? Is what I like to call the operation side. Was he trying to, to get you to come in over to that side? Was that the reason yeah. for the insult? Yeah, I think there was, I think there was a, uh, kind of a stigma with safety that that was, wasn't a, um, well-respected type of position. Hold on. You, you, you said kind of a stigma with safety. Are you, do you feel that it's gone away then? Not if you're not, if you're an operations guy, I don't think it has Not in all cases. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so at what point, because you, at, if you're having all these different, well, you're in the one position, but you have all these other things that you're able to do at the same time too. Do you ever get lured to, kind of change and leave the safety aspect like do you look at it because it's easy when start a lot of people start presenting to you hey come over here you could probably get further and so on so does that get presented to you at any point that you give it any kind of consideration uh it has uh, once or twice over the years but um you know it, it's still for some reason safety seems to be the place that i want to be and i think i i see the we have pressures and stresses but you know observing the 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 dark side people as you say i, I kind of like that term <laughs> uh, <but laughs> i think observing them i think the the stresses and and pressures are different and maybe more intense um 
So, yeah, I, I don't I don't think I've ever seriously considered a, a career change. Got it. So you've been doing this, of course, for years now. I mean, you said you entered it in 95. You're still currently doing it. And as you've seen the transitions throughout the years in the world of safety, and we're talking, of course, about safety in particular, what have you seen that you've liked and what have you seen that you would like to improve? Well, the, um, what I, I like the, the change that seems to be taking place now that, that we're starting to question things that have been kind of sacred over the years, like, um, behavior-based safety and, and some of those things that have been, you know, for, gosh, I don't even know how many years since I first heard of, uh, BBS, but has always been the way to go. But now looking at the systems and human error and, and looking at why people made an error instead of just, they didn't stick to the plan and getting more into why they didn't stick to the plan and, and really, more emphasis on talking and working with people, I think, than, than what I've seen in the past. And I really, really like that, uh, doing, making some of those changes ourselves with learning teams and things like that that we're going to be implementing in the next uh, few months. Um, thing I don't like is the number of degreed safety people getting cranked out now. And I don't know why that seems to, whether that's a new phenomenon or something that I just didn't notice before, but there's so many safety degree programs out in the, the young newly minted safety professionals, I don't think are coming out with the skills to work in today's environment. They're coming out as very good um, regulatory enforcers, uh, know the regs very well, but they come out not knowing how to deal with people in the workplace and how to, how to really implement those things in a sense that, that people will buy in and, and work with them. They, they want to, you know, because I'm the safety person do this and that most people know that just doesn't work. So as you look at that then, and you're seeing a lot of the credentialed people coming out and they're coming out with credentials or they're coming out with diplomas as you look at it, do you think it's because of a lack of experience overall because they don't have management experience or experience within the world? Or, and I'm talking about young safety pros and nothing against them, of course. But do you think it's lack of experience being in the workplace or do you just think it's lack of experience overall? I think it's lack of experience overall. And um, the, the programs here near and around us that I've worked with and, and hired some interns from over the past. seems most of them have gone away from full semester co-op type programs to a, a summer internship, which I said before, by the time they learn where their desk is and, and how to log into their computer, it's time to go back to school. I really don't have time to enough days on the calendar to work with them, to teach them those kind of people skills that a lot of people call soft skills, but really are critical skills. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's that and that they're the co-op experiences have gone away. I understand why in a lot of cases, cost and money wise, and people don't want a, an extra year of school to have a couple semesters co-op. But I think it's hurt overall. So as you see this and you're able to interact with the people, what are you seeing when they come in? I mean, I know you're saying short period of time. So when they're there working with you, interning with you, what what kind of things do you have them doing as an example? Um. <clears throat> I try to get them uh, away from the, the typical co-op looking through the safety data sheets to make sure everything's there and that kind of stuff. And 
I, I try to get when I have one to get them involved in things like reviewing lockout procedures or reviewing machine guarding, or if I, you know, if we have new equipment underway to get them in, in sitting in the meetings to look at uh, guardings and safe work practices, all that stuff, and try to get them a higher level experience at, or to, to coach them, to give them tasks that are meaningful and give them coaching on how to deal with a particular person or how they might, uh, I, don't, I don't like the word sell necessarily, but how they might uh, uh, get a buy-in on different projects and things. How they might present. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, there you go. There you go. How so, they might present that. So, so kind of an odd question then. Do you think that we need to up our game when it comes to the people that are teaching the current crop that's coming out then from colleges and universities on safety? Because here's a bad thing that I'm going to say. So let's just keep in mind that I'm the one that's saying it. Most people say that if you can't do it, you normally teach it. So that's how most people become a teacher. I know that's terrible to say. I said it. It's okay. I'll take the heat for it. But do you think that it's because they're not teaching this because it's kind of a lack of knowledge from the professor standpoint? I think a lot of professors are, and I'm kind of speaking out of school here, but I think a lot of the professors at college level maybe have been removed from industry for so long that they don't understand what's going on in the world today. Um, that, that's a huge statement itself, I guess, but uh, that will be um, the, cl- that will be the clip of the show. Nobody's going to yeah. listen to the rest of it. That's the clip. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, I've, um, you know, I've been working to get involved on a couple of adv- advisory boards for curriculums and um, two or three of the department heads that I've talked to will admit that they agree with me. I, but they lament the fact that the people on their advisory board and even some of the people within their departments are old school and, and think the regulations are the thing, that if you know the regs, you're ready to go. So uh, change is going to be slow, but um, I, think, I think those of us out here practicing need to get involved in those things and, and push for something different. You know, if you don't like the product, if you don't like your Ford Escape, you complain and, and get change, right? Or if you don't like the your steak, you send it back and until it's right. So Oh God no, I don't send anything back at a restaurant. I know better. I watched that movie waiting too many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well I you know um this steak's underdone, but why don't you leave it here and make me another one? So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that then for just one brief moment. So if we're seeing this and you've tried to go into the advisory boards, if you had a group of interns that were currently with you right now and you were able to have the direct approach and the discussion with them, what would you give them as guidance that should be the things that they should actually be looking at starting off as they go into the industry or even starting down going into the schooling path? Like, What would you tell them to look for from their professors or their curriculum? I From their their curriculum look for things to give them actual experience, um, you know, and, and study things and, and learn to, to interpret things. Um, I, I know there's been a problem with, you know, if they're supposed to do a, a written lockout procedure uh, or a lockout policy, let's say for their class, you, know, you can go to the internet and find those things and not learn a damn thing. Um, so do that, do your own work. Um, Question your professors on how does this work in the real world and realize you're not go, well going in, then going in out in the world, realize one, you're not a safety cop. Um, two, compared to those folks working on the shop floor, you don't know a damn thing. 
Um, spend some time learning the work, getting to know the people. Uh, when I, I bring a, when I hire a new safety professional, uh, experienced or not, one of their assignments in their first 30 days is to talk to a few people every week about anything but safety to just, just get to know people and, and develop relationships. And, and instead for the, the new folks coming out, the young people, um, I think remembering that you don't know everything is, is huge. Go out and learn, be humble, ask questions, uh, show an interest in, in the work that's being done and not just being an enforcer. So do you think that that's a lost art currently where that's kind of part of the portion of where we're having problems with safety professionals going new into organizations where we're not doing the relationship building, we're just kind of going safety cop mode? You know, you raise an interesting point there. And what pops into my head automatically is that we're so attuned these days to communicating by text message and email that maybe that is a lost art or an art that we're losing to be able to talk to somebody face-to-face and, and develop an interest and develop a relationship. Well, I mean, and I think that a, a factor here also, of course, with the changes in the world recently, I mean, as we started our conversation, you're saying that you're working from home. Nothing against that, of course, but does it make it more difficult to be able to communicate with others? Because, of course, unless you're doing a Zoom call, they're not seeing your facial reaction. Um, of course, when you send an email or you, if you actually send a text, they don't know what the response is. They don't know if you're joking, how serious the demeanor is. And some things could actually be lost in translation. So when it comes to that, all that, do you think that this new technology and the pandemic that's going on across the world at the moment plays a, another factor into the whole equation? Oh, it, it no doubt it does. And it, if my current position wasn't a corporate position, if I was still in the in the plants every day, I would I would never work from home. Uh, I, I just you don't like that separation. I don't even like that separation as being in the corporate office, really. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, you, you've seen I'm sure people are, are done it yourself. You read emotion and, and voice inflection into a text message. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It sets up a lot of room for for uh, miscommunication, but there there's no doubt that that this change away from being in person and being face to face is is going to make the problem worse. We're going to have to figure out how to overcome that. So, and so even, it, even training, um, I, I've been doing some training on Zoom calls and webinars, and you know I like to to move around the when I'm teaching, move around and talk to people and and do the group exercise and be there listening in on things like that. And it, that's difficult to impossible on a zoom call. Well, I mean, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I think that using zoom technology now, don't get me wrong for kind of small intervals. I think it's great, but when it comes to actually doing this, when you're sitting in through a two, three, four hour class with it, just being zoom, I think it's difficult to get engagement from the actual people that are attending. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. Because it's their, maybe at home or in their office too. So they're watching or other things or somebody's walking by or knocking on the door or the, you know, working from home. I'm, <clears throat> we'll be lucky on this call if the squirrels don't invade and the dogs go insane here in a minute. But uh, <laughs> it, it is, it, it's difficult, I think, for people to focus on, on a long term. And like you said, it's difficult to impossible for me as an instructor to, gauge what they're feeling, you know, and so, you know, you're standing in front of a group of people teaching, you can see that 
Charlie has a puzzled look on his face and may need, and you can say, hey, do you, you understand what we're doing and back up and do that. That's really hard to do on Zoom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's so much easier when you're doing room engagement because you can hear the hums, the hums, and of course, the facial gestures, as you just explained, but you can't get that via Zoom. The other thing that drives me crazy with Zoom calls and not picking on Zoom, I'm sure it happens on Teams too, is when people take pictures of the screen. And they're so excited that they want to post the picture of the screen. And some people just don't turn out looking too well because yeah. they're not expecting it. I think sometimes I chuckle at it, especially when you start seeing the rounds on social media. Yeah, yeah, that, that's good. We should make the point. It's not picking on Zoom because I use Teams. I use GoToMeeting and other stuff and, and same thing with all of them. But um, Zoom's just seems to be popular. But, yeah, I get the, the pictures of the screen. Um, and then, you, you know, of course, you have uh, – Zoom bingo with you're on mute. Uh, can everybody see my screen? <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah. There's an echo. Who's who needs to mute their microphone? Uh, all that stuff. We can hear everything you're saying right now. So yeah. I, I've seen you do a lot more things recently where you're doing like these moments on social media. What was the idea behind that when you decided to start going down that path? Uh, the the initial driver for that and, and still the driver for that was, you know, how can we use, we're such a social media focused um, peoples right now. So it was how could we make better use of our company Facebook page uh, specifically to reach out to our employees with little snippets of things. And so that's, that's what started the social media safety minutes. And of course, seen some other folks do those and, and really liked uh, that concept. So it, it gets my face out there to the folks, and, and especially in a time when uh, can't travel around to the plants, it, it gets it out there in just little snippets. And I focused on, you know, some work-related, some not work-related, and um, just to, to put a, a face to the safety program and say, hey, I'm, I'm here too. Uh, I have the same stresses about mask wearing and all that kind of stuff, for example, that, that you do. So, um that, that's why I got it out there. And then I just started throwing them on LinkedIn just for the heck of it because, you know, who knows who you might help with an idea. Well, you know that that's what I was going to ask next, of course. What did your company think when they started seeing what you were normally posting inside of work on social media? Was anything said? What was the thought behind it? Honestly, don't know if anybody from work has seen them yet. <laughs> oh, that's scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but, you know, typically I don't have a, a – well, I guess we do reference the – um, company a little bit at the the start is the the company family, but uh, I don't think there's anything in there that that we've done that that is trade secret or information that's not um, not detrimental to the company. So I, I don't think it'd be an issue. Well, you know how some organizations are, and I'm just saying in general, not the one that you're currently at, but. They're very specific on what you post about them on social media. So you have to be extremely careful. So that's the only reason I was asking the question, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I've uh, um, since I started doing that a few months ago, I've, I've only had one that uh, my boss said, "Yeah, let's not do it quite this way. So uh, we made some tweaks and, and got the information out there without uh, without having a, a special email to respond to or anything like that. And that, that was all that was, but uh, yeah, so far they've been uh, really good about it. So are you seeing a lot of engagement when it comes out of that? Uh, not a lot. Um, the most recent one we asked, you know, 
what what's the dumbest thing we make you do in the name of safety? And and last I checked, there were about seventy views and no comments. So <laughs> no one was brave enough to put it because yeah, I, I know yeah, that's, mine sometimes. That's, yeah, and I, I put my uh, uh, in-house phone extension in there and haven't heard anything. So yeah, there's probably a little fear factor in there. But that's one of the things that we're working on is is getting people past that fear and talking to us about what what are the dumb things we do. Well, it, it's it's interesting that you say that because I've noticed this over the last little bit as I've been doing some different things. At one point, I had a show that we would do that we would have people actually comment or rant is what we called it in regards of what they did not like inside of the world of safety or with their organizations. Some people got so concerned that it started becoming emails. And then it got into LinkedIn messaging because then it became kind of a little bit hesitant of doing that where I will get messages of, can you say this? But I'm not, I'm not going to say it. So yeah, yeah, you, you take the blame for me, right? Right. I mean, because I don't say the company, but at one point we were even doing that we were hiding people's voices. So we would kind of do like some filters and weird things like that where people turned around and said, okay, let's do it that way. And then it becomes, it became so scary for some that they thought that I might actually release the original content. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Uh, I'm, uh, I, I, I do spend some time thinking about uh, those things and making sure that, that I don't do something that's going to be detrimental to the company, of course, and because I like to keep my job. I like my co- I like the company I work for. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to do anything that's going to damage them for sure. I mean, and I always think that that's the important part. You have to enjoy what you're doing and the enjoy yeah. the places where you're at. And I know that sometimes, depending on what the roles are, especially where you're reporting, they can think that some of your ideas are crazy. But it's always good to have a level of crazy. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. You know, I just, um, um, in the last few months, I got... Um, my boss, who's the senior vice president of operations and our CEO to read uh, Todd Conklin's uh, Hop Basics book oh. or, or five, five Principles of Hop, whatever. Okay. It is. Yeah, the five, the five principles. Got them to read that. So I'm, I'm proud of that and proud that they took the, the time to do that and to give it some thought. So, yeah, it's um, for a safety person. It's it's a pretty good company to work for right now. So let me ask that because you did reference it. How do you like reporting? And this is going to be a bad question of ask, of course, reporting into operations, because most of the times safety doesn't report into operations. So how has that worked out for you? Uh, it's worked out great. And I have to, this is a, a pretty recent change in the last year. And, and I was concerned starting out, but uh, it's working really well. All the plant managers report the same place. So I've got a seat at the table with all of them. So it, it's been really has been fantastic. Now, is there kind of a diffuser if things don't look eye to eye, if you're trying to do something where the operation side doesn't agree? Do you have some like uh, an intermediary if, if necessary? Haven't really run into that. Um, and, and I think I haven't run into that because most anything we try to, to do that's new I'm having conversations with the, the plant managers about this or what do you think about this or that and have developed good relationships with them over the years that I've been here to where we, we don't have those kind of things. And, and they're not afraid to say, you know, I don't like that or how about if we try it this way and, and I'm open to hearing, you know, my, my philosophy has always been here's what I need or I want to do, but how can I make that work for you guys? And so that, eliminates the need for a diffuser, I think. 
Got it. So as you see through the different times throughout your career and things that are going on with everything going on with COVID and everything going on inside of the world, what changes do you think need to be implemented going forward? I think that we've, we've got to, you know, with COVID specifically, I think we've got to figure out this training thing and how do we get back to some sort of, of in-person training? Cause it's, you know, the, online stuff and webinar stuff and zoom call stuff is I think that's been fine in the interim for things, but I think we've eventually got to get back to some solid training that is, is worthwhile and worth the time. And I think we lose a lot of that with the, the online stuff. Um, Beyond that, I think there's some things that are going to stick with us. Um, social distancing and and some of those things I think are going to be around for a while. So that, that kind of feeds into the training too, that in doing that. But uh, I, I, uh, we still need to communicate. We still need to to work together and and everybody remember that the end goal is the same. It's uh, to make money and to be safe doing it. So some of these organizations now that are actually doing um, some events where they're doing social distancing inside of them. So let's say, for instance, if previously they had 300 people there, now they're, let's say, for instance, hypothetically, they're limiting them to 100. And of course, with the correct social distancing, do you think that that's something that we should continue to see or something that we should even continue to practice as organizations? Yeah, I think um, I think it is. Jay is, is you know, pending results of how this vaccine really works or not. And, uh, how, how, if that knocks this thing out, then sure. Go back to, uh, you know, the big conferences and things like that. But I think until we know for sure, we're going to continue doing that probably. Well, it, it let's just kind of be realistic at this particular point as we're doing this recording, because if anybody ever hears this in the future, we're in, at the time that it'll be released, it'll be the last week of December. So we're recording it pretty much within the last week. It'll be released at that particular portion. And we're still seeing right now the first rounds of the vaccine. So we're, yeah. we're seeing right now the, the, the Pfizer version is two shots. Um, the Moderna version is one shot. Um, there is a conversation right now being had of Johnson and Johnson, um, actually coming out with their version of the vaccine. We are seeing at the moment some people actually having some reactions to some of the vaccines. Now, based on some news stories that I was seeing today, it looks like they're saying that probably most people will have access to this come June. How do you look at this in regards of the workforce? I've heard of some conferences even having conversations of having a conference with doing a shot involved, which I think is kind of a weird thing. What's your opinion about it? I about the vaccine or having conferences? Well, both, because if you have the chance of going to a conference that actually had the vaccine, would you go to it? If they said that that was part of the included of the cost? Oh, 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 oh. I haven't heard those yet. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes. That's been making the sequence as probably the last two weeks when the vaccine kept on being talked about, especially these conferences that are being planned out for February, March. And there's another one that I had seen already in June. Interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I am on the fence about the vaccine right now. Okay. For me, it's not been tested as thoroughly as what we're used to. Mm-hmm. And that concerns me a little bit. So I, I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer for that right now. Okay. Yeah. And I keep on wondering when you, when we start seeing these first ads on what those side effects are going to sound like, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here, but I'm just trying to f- figure out if it's going to be the micro machine guy just kind of going full blast at the end of the ad. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, the one I always like in those ads is uh, don't take this if you're allergic to it. But <laughs> unless I take it, how do I know, right? Right. And, uh, and now with the vaccine, the, the CDC and all their wisdom has said, gee, if you have a severe reaction to the first shot, don't take the second shot. And I'm like, duh. <laughs> the sad part is that it has to actually be mentioned. That's the, yeah. that's the scary part of the equation. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with that with conferences and stuff in the future, but um, I'm, I'm not a fan of virtual conferences uh, myself, so I, I may have to change that attitude. Who knows? So, Brent, how are you looking at this right now? Are you planning on retiring anytime in the near future, or you still got several years more to go? What are you thinking? Um, I've got several years to go. I'm 58. 62 would be nice, but probably not realistically. So I'm, I'm probably in for another eight or nine years anyway. So when you look back for the, when you're looking over the next eight or nine years, what do you want your legacy to be built around? Oh boy. Um, I think if I leave, leave anything, it's that we've eliminated a, a, some of the silly bureaucracy and safety. Um, and that, you know, in my company and, and, maybe overall, but uh, also that I have, I'd like to be known for having stimulated critical thinking that I think's missing a lot of times and, and uh, just a person who did the right thing for the right reasons and, and wasn't afraid to, to do that regardless of, of what it may mean. At, at any cost? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, Brent, I do appreciate you coming on to the show today. If people want to know more about you and what you're doing, where can they find you? Uh, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn or Facebook, probably the easiest, uh, easiest way to find me. Well, this will bring another episode of the Jay Allen show to an end. Thank you for hanging out with us today with this conversation with Brent Charleston. A lot of inside knowledge that gentleman has, as he discussed it here today. And we went further and further down the rabbit hole. Anyways, I hope that you enjoyed everything going on here today on the show. I hope you're looking forward to the changes of 2021. We are sure glad that you came out to hang out with us today because that's always cool when you do so. You are definitely the most important part of Safety FM, and that is the listener. By the way, if you've not checked out our service, Safety FM Plus, we would love for you to come out and do so. Right now, we have a show running exclusively on the system known as Around the Safety Pod. It discusses what exactly is going on inside of the world of safety from every podcast perspective, or at least a lot of them. At least that's how we look at it. If you want to know more information, you can go to safetyfmplus.com and take a listen to the first episode right there on the streaming platform. Anyways, we'll be looking forward to seeing you in the new year. Safety FM is the home of real safety talk. Thank you for always being the best part. Happy New Year, and we'll be back right around the corner with another episode of The Jay Allen Show. Goodbye for now.
Want more of the Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.